how am I supposed to recover? How do I recover? What is my disability? And that's where the fuzzy line comes into play and stuff is where is your disability when you when you've had a brain injury. This is TBI, Talking Brain Injury from Brain Injury Alliance Colorado, talking with TBI survivors and their supporters from all across the state. My name's Phil Lindeman, a mentor with BX since 2019 and four-time recipient of brain injuries I don't even remember, plus a whole bunch I kinda sorta do remember. Today I'm talking to Jeremy. He's a BX member from Craig, Colorado, up north on the Western Slope. I met Jeremy in 2019. He was my very first peer with BX. He's got an incredible story of survival and recovery following a car accident when he was traveling to his old job on the Front Range. At the time, physical recovery almost seemed harder than mental recovery. But today, almost nine years later, Jeremy's found that his mental recovery has been slower, longer, like the ultra marathon he never expected to run. But Jeremy's got some great heroes, including ultra marathoners, and great advice on how to treat your brain the best while traveling that long, long road to recovery. Please remember, our guests are here to share stories of recovery and what has worked for them. Contact your doctor for medical advice and treatment that is best for you. So Jeremy, I'm thinking back, we've known each other now for over two years because we started out with BIAC. I was the mentor and you were the peer. And um, one of the reasons that they set us up was because we kind of live in rural parts of the state where it's not too easy to, you know, find the big meetups like folks down on the front range have. So where do you live right now? Right now is uh, uh, Craig, Colorado. And where is that for people that don't know? Uh, Craig, Colorado is in the northwest corner of Colorado, about um, 40 miles, um, 40 minutes um, on, on the main highway west of Steamboat Springs. Still, still in Colorado, not into Utah. Utah would be the next one. Okay, gotcha. But you're not originally from Craig. You're from... No, I'm originally from the... From the Front Range is where where I was originally originally from, and with with the accident and everything like that and stuff, and we'll get into that. But where I was born and raised was a different state. I was born and raised in northern Minnesota. Then I moved to uh, then I moved to Colorado, and then fumbled around in in the on the Front Range for a while, and then that's when one of my uh, one of my moves on the Front Range. That's that was where uh, my whole injury and BAC came into play. Yeah. And we'll get to that in a little bit because that, that was, you know, several years in the past, but you've been living up in Craig now for, for a while. Three years, I think. Yeah. Three years up in Craig. And um, I know when we've talked before, you know, when we were uh, a peer and mentor, we talked a lot about, you know, the fact that you just, you were drawn to Colorado from a real young age. What is it that you still love about Colorado? You know, what is it that you like about uh, hanging in this state? Um, it's just the fact that, um, you, when they, they view it as a tagline for, uh, for Colorado, you know, when you, when you enter the state, when you cross the border and stuff, when they say colorful Colorado, it's like, yeah, it's colorful Colorado. And then of course it's the, the state that's known for the mountain range and the mountain range does go does go into Wyoming and does go a little further south, but Colorado is known for the Rocky Mountains. Hey man, 
And that's what keeps me here too, because, you know, I'm based up in Summit County, like Breckenridge area. That is what I've loved about the state since I was a little kid growing up in Denver. And the reason that I moved up here as soon as I was done with school in Fort Collins was because, you know, I had to be, uh, being an hour from the mountains was not good enough for me. I literally had to be surrounded by mountains. It's one of those things that when I've talked to people about, um, oh, I got lots of friends who love to snowboard and mountain bike. And I love those things too. And they talk about how they're junkies for it. You know how it's like their drug. They just can't get enough of it. And yeah, I see those things as drugs, but I honestly see being outside as more of a medicine. You know, medicine is something that you literally cannot live without drugs. To me, in my mind, drugs are recreational. You know, it's 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 something that uh, you know that you that you take for for fun in your free time. Whereas, nah, nature for me, that's my medicine. It's 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 where I go to get better. Well, and that that also ties into the where you say uh, you know the difference between drug and medicine and stuff. That's the same thing when it comes to food. So, for me, being healthy compared to what AKA junk food well it's junk food for a reason yeah that that's exactly in the name right it's the first part of the name (laughs) right you can't ignore it you've been vegan a long time it wasn't something that came after your accident right it was something that you were doing even before then yeah oh yeah that's the reason why i was um recovered so quickly and actually it's my wife who's vegan i am not not fully vegan i just don't think it's crap and stuff. And that's, that's what a lot of people think. They're just like, Oh, that's, you know, terrible food and stuff. And even mm-hmm. working at subway and stuff like that, I even had a guy's guy come in and stuff and say, uh, um, he's like, you probably have seen a lot of weird sandwiches and stuff like that. It's like, Oh yeah, I have. And then he unprompted, I didn't say anything unprompted. He said, Oh yeah. The, the weirdest one I ever seen is somebody who just gets nothing but vegetables. It's like, um, I didn't, I kind of had to bite my tongue. It's like, uh, he's still a customer and everything is like, um, that's me, my man. (laughs) And, and that's where, you know, I, I come home sometimes and stuff. And I, I tell my, tell my wife, some of the, you know, disgusting things that I see and stuff like that is like, yeah, they pile on the crap and something. And it's like, it's a, it's a challenge for them to, how many times can I hit the um, um, double meat, double meat things and stuff like that? And, you know, how can I get, you know, because you can, because you there's a thing where you can get a deluxe, any sandwich deluxe, which is 50% meat, 50% more, or double meat, which is 100% more. There's like, <laughs> I've had some people say, is there another option beyond that? It's like, um, I could take you out back and just let you bite out of the cow. I don't know. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's like, <laughs> you know, it, it's like, no offense to anybody who loves Burger King, but I've never really been a Burger King fan. And I have noticed that Burger King has gone full, just meat straight to the vein. Like, you know, they've got bacon right. on beef, on bacon, on beef, on cheese, on bacon, on beef, on fried things. Yeah. And I, I don't know, Jeremy, I'm right there with you. You know, I'm not vegan. It would be a challenge, I think, for me to go vegan. I think I would be more likely to do vegetarian vegetarian or maybe even pescatarian first, but I have definitely been trying to change my diet a little bit to do. Um, there's a, there's a diet that I am forgetting the name of it right now. I will definitely make sure I find the name of it, but it is, um, it's the mind diet. Yeah. Brain diet. And, and it's, um, real heavy on uh, nuts and dark leafy greens and fish and light on, you know, the things that we kind of as Americans love, 
butter, sugar, real salty processed foods and red meat. You know, it, it just tells you to, you know, keep those things to maybe once a week, twice a week at the most. And I think of, you know, man, uh, if I were to do vegetarian, that would be my reason to do it is inspired by some of these brain health diets that I've heard of mm-hmm. is developed actually by the Alzheimer's association. So, you know, some other folks, friends of ours that have trouble with, um, brain issues and it's called the mind diet. It's got yeah. nine foods to eat. And you got to tell me how many of these nine foods are regularly in your diet. So green leafy vegetables. Oh, of course. Every day. Nuts. Uh, yeah, I think, think there is. Okay. Berries. Yeah. It's as, as much as I can afford. Yeah. Yeah. True. Vegetables or not vegetables, but especially those fruit, fresh veggies get real expensive after a while. Um, Mm -hmm. beans, uh, so like black pinto, garbanzo, kidney, lima. Oh yeah. Yeah. Those, those, yeah, those constantly. Yeah. Especially, uh, um, garbanzo, you know, garbanzo. Um, yeah. Yeah. All, yeah, hummus is also in there too. And then yeah. whole grains, whole grains. So like your yeah. dark and whole wheat grain breads, uh brown rice, oats. Oh, brown yeah. brown rice definitely, definitely yeah. brown rice. Yeah. Uh fish. Not so much. I really never have cared for the taste of fish. Really? Even even as a kid and stuff. And it's kind of ironic huh. coming from the land of 10,000 lakes. <laughs> um I never really was a you know, fisher, and I never, never really l- liked the taste of fish. No fish at all. So it doesn't matter if it's white fish, real mellow fish. You still just mm, yeah. Still I was it. like yeah, yeah. Okay. When when people say ah, that tastes fishy to me, it's like yeah, they all taste fishy to me. <laughs> it all tastes like it came straight out of the ocean. Yeah. Uh, poultry, chicken. Um. You ever eat any chicken? Yeah, yeah. We get uh, we have some chicken. In fact, uh, at uh subway somebody was uh they were you know because it was past due it was too old old to be sitting out um so there's they wasted um some chicken patties some you know, chicken patties and stuff like that and i was like mm-hmm. i'll just take them home and okay I, so i just eat those and you know, i'll have a patty patty just as for lunch or you know just just sitting there and stuff when they wasted them i was like you know i'll take them i ate two okay. of them just that night yeah. And it says, you know, chicken's good. Turkey also good, if not even better. Sometimes turkey uh, yep. just, yeah, they, they like that better. And then the last one on those nine foods to eat, um, extra virgin olive oil. So if you've got to get your fat and your oil fixed, they say yep. extra virgin olive oil is the way to go for sure. Yeah, we do. We've got, um, trying to think of what the oil is that we use. Cause we would have veggie oil and stuff, but I'm just trying to think what the other oil is and it's not canola it's not oil. Virgin oil. What's that? Canola oil, maybe? Or um, no. Because th- there's definitely a lot of oils. Cause I know people like avocado oils and they also have nut oils, almond and um, you know, ones like that. That yeah. uh, I know people... But anyway, moving on. Yeah, definitely like so. Those are the nine ones to eat, and every last one of those is on your diet. Well, and yeah. you know, like you were saying, brown rice for sure and beans, lots of that. And I'm sure yeah, you get oil. the question all the time, being you know, veggie. Well, how do you get protein? Where do you get your protein from? Oh, that right there is your complete protein, right? Yeah, that is pretty much the one way that you can know that the conversation's over if somebody asks that question. It's like there's there's so many plant-based proteins out there that it's that's such an um, ignorant question to to ask. Where do you get your protein from? Then 
Yeah. What's your favorite? What, what What's your favorite protein source? Um, it would have to be one of the beans. I would say just mm-hmm. any of the bean things and stuff like that. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, and then the mind diet also has five foods to avoid. And so these are ones that I, again, I'm sure already are not even close to on your diet, red meat, processed meat. So that's stuff like beef, lamb, hot dogs, sausages, bacon, all the good stuff. (laughs) They they say you got to keep that to three servings a week, three servings a week. You don't have to cut it out fully, just three servings a week, butter and margarine. They say, you know, try to keep it down to a teaspoon a day, a teaspoon a day. Every single recipe that I see, especially crockpot recipes, it calls for four to six to eight tablespoons uh, of butter. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cheese. It also cheese is a hard one for me um, because I really do enjoy some good Swiss cheese or even, you know, Mexican food. You, you You can't have tacos without a little sprinkle of cheese on top. But it says trying to no more than two ounces of cheese a week. Um, pastries and sweets, keep those to four a week. So if you got a cheat day, you know, don't cheat every day. And then fried food and fast food, one time a week, one time a week. And that was called the Mind Diet. And again, it was taken from uh, some folks um, that work with Alzheimer's patients. Um, we were talking about heroes. Heroes that we got. Yeah, yeah. And right. um, you were talking about Scott Jurek. Yeah. In a nutshell, who is Scott Jurek? Why is he your hero? Um, Scott Jurek is, um, he uh, pretty much, like the one time I, I sent you a message and stuff about that, he started, he started running competitively and started building up distance. And then when he found, found out that um, the link between health and running and stuff and found out he started eating eating better he started getting faster so he started eating eating really good and then started competing um in longer distance and he just started breaking records records after records after records and then um just a couple years ago he broke the record for uh running the appalachian trail he ran the whole Appalachian Trail and he beat the record by days. He ran the whole thing. Ran the whole thing. That is at least a, th- uh, I, how long is I that? It's, um, if I remember right, I think it's something like 3,000 miles. I think we're right in the middle here. I'm looking it up real quick. 2,190 miles. And the guy ran the whole thing and <laughs> beat the record by days. Well, and like you said, he's vegan. Like that that's yeah. how he started eating better, right? Yep. Yep. He just started eating, eating better. And then he just like, how can I eat better and better and better? And, and so he's, and then he, that's when he found the a vegan, vegan lifestyle and stuff. And then he's, he's really, start going good and since you you are since you are a writer there is a he did um write a book himself um about about his journey and stuff and it's called eat and run and um all right and so we've got we we did go to uh when it got released and stuff we did go to a, a book signing um when it got released we went to a book signing of that so we we do have a copy of it that is signed by him. 
Well, talk to me about sleep, your relationship with sleep, especially after your accident. Um, what is it? Okay, so um, pre-accident never was an issue and stuff like that. And when I was growing up and stuff like that, you know, just like a lot of a lot of kids would do on Sunday morning, um, I would just lay lay in bed and stuff and pretend that I was still sleeping, that I couldn't get up, so I didn't have to go to church. So that was that was one thing, and and I got by. I got. I got by that a couple times, you know, a couple times that I did do that. And then, um, tricky, um, tricky. It was never, uh, it was never really an issue for me. Um, in all the times when I was, um, in some, all the different locations on the, over on the front range until I had to, until I moved into the mountains to get away from, get away from the rat race, get away from humans and stuff like that. And, and that's when, um, when I didn't realize at, you know, pre-accident that I suffered from narcolepsy. Mm. And so, so I had, so when the reason I'm, you know, for my accident, well, I was going to say that I think I think that kind of leads us right to, well, tell, tell me real quick what happened and how it's tied to narcolepsy. Okay, so what ended up happening is it was just a matter of it might have even been a week, if not days and stuff that once we once we moved and my drive time from where I moved moved to into the mountains to go to work, um, I was I had to, you know, my drive time was 45 minutes. Yeah, because you were. Yeah, because you were still working in Loveland, so front range, yeah. but living up around Red Feather Lake area, so in the mountains. Right. And so yeah, you had a big long commute to get into yeah, right work, right get get to work. So then, um, I don't even remember leaving that that morning and stuff. Um, and I was, and I just made it a couple of miles beyond my house, and that's when. I must have fallen asleep, which um, I found out with uh, narcolepsy is there's also um, starts with a C, castrosity or something like that. There's a there's a there's a different types of narcolepsy where you get muscle, where you lose muscle control and stuff. And so I just fell asleep, lost muscle control, and put the car into into the you know into the ditch on the onto the into the um, river and stuff like, or into creek and stuff. And, and that's where, um, from that, from at that point for it rolling in the car, doing a roll, roll into there. That's when I also had the brain injury hmm. is on that, is on that uh, single car rollover. Yeah. And, and that accident, like you said, you don't remember what came before and how long was it until you remember what came after? Um, from that time, um, I can start remembering my hospital rooms always changing. I can start remembering little bits and pieces 
of you know the, you know a tv always being on um and i can kind of remember some of the shows um and just you know and hearing some of the um freeway traffic and stuff like that and then um and then when it really really came back it was um it was at the last hospital i was in i was in then that's when it finally came full play and stuff so i don't i don't remember the first hospital which that's where he treated my brain injury and mm -hmm. uh, and then and then after that that's when slowly things started coming back and then then until I got to the last hospital, that's when. Yeah. Say, I mean, safe to say you lost a week, if not two to three weeks. I probably, life. yeah. Um, I think looking through some of the timeline, I think I, yeah, I think it was, I think, yeah, you're probably pretty, pretty right. I'll, I'll have to look at, look in uh, a little notebook that, uh, that I have of, of the timeline of stuff and stuff, you know, where it says where I was when I when the accident happened and different hospitals that I was in and moving and stuff like that. I have to look at the timeline, but yeah, you're probably pretty right that it's <laughs> you know week, you know, it's, less, it's less than a month. And it's scary stuff, man, because I think that's an experience that lots of folks that are part of BIAC have probably also had, you know, just losing, losing large swaths of your life that you didn't know what was going on or where you were, or you've got a vague idea. Like you say, you remember, like maybe Price is Right was on in the background or something like that. But other than right. that, you, you know, you just lose so much. Um, but on top of the brain injury, on top of, you know, being in a nasty car accident that hit your head, you also had, well... You had some serious spinal issue too. Yes, yes, yes. Because it was a rollover accident, um, there's a thing that's called um, a burst fracture. So in between all of your vertebrae, how there's a disc in between those um, each vertebrae. Well, if there, since it was a rollover accident, and obviously you know a little whiplash in the head and stuff too. If if you uh, um, if you break if the if the vertebra or if the disc in between there ruptures and then there's still some more twisting action on there, it'll actually crack the um, um, the the vertebrae under below it. So it'll it'll the the disc will will break, and then the bone beyond that will break. So then, how do you? You know, there's no replacement of a disc, you know, so what do they do? What they do is they just hold the two vertebrae still. They put either they grind up some of your own bone or some cadaver bone or something like that and make a paste. And now instead of a vertebrae, those two vertebrae are now um, one. So basically fused. you have one long, yeah, fused together. Yeah. So I have yeah. two spots, two spots that are t4 and t10 t4 and t10 and that's and the recovery was very long but you said well partly like also with you know your your eating habits that um the doctors were blown away at your recovery they were blown away at how quick you came back and then that's actually um one of the other interesting things being colorado you know kind of a place to be and stuff there's a um a ranking of um 
trauma surgeons in North America and Colorado has has multiples multiple uh, people that make it made it onto that list. Um, I think uh, there's um, I don't know in the state, but but me myself, I have mm-hmm. two, two or three of the top five trauma surgeons look at look at me look at me look at my case and stuff and look at me and stuff yeah and they, and then they then they started making um i'll call them guesses but it's you know just when they thought they thought i was going to be able to uh um when i was going to get released from the hospital and stuff like that and that they put a date out there and they had to keep moving that date and they had moved that date three times and the last time they moved it they still released me a week early. They were still wrong. <laughs> yeah, man, you made that physical recovery so quick. Mm-hmm. One thing you and I have talked about a lot is that the physical recovery can be daunting. It can be hard. It can be um, painful. But the mental recovery is the marathon. The mental recovery is where we all got to find our inner Scott Jurek, our inner yeah. ultra marathoner, right? And And find... You know, whatever it is that's gonna get us through years, even decades, even a lifetime of recovery. And I want to get back to sleep. So the one thing that you are still dealing with to this day is sleep. You didn't have a problem as a kid. You didn't have a problem. You, you know, you had the narcolepsy, but now it's the opposite. And you 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 cannot sleep. Right. I don't I don't sleep. Yep. On a typical night, when do you go to bed? When do you lay down? Um, yeah, yeah, because that's what I say. When do I lay down? Um, I would say I, I lay down somewhere, you know, probably it, it would vary based on a couple of the jobs that I've had, but, uh, by sometime around 10 o'clock, 10 o'clock, okay. I lay down. And, and when do you get out of bed? Um, pretty much, uh, six to seven, somewhere around there, six o'clock hour. You know, what I do is I just, since I know that's my rest period, I try to just lay down there, lay in, lay in bed as long as I can long as my wife will let me. Um, but, uh, but yeah, pretty much, pretty much that, that amount of time. And, and so you're in bed for eight hours. How much of that are you actually sleeping? Zero. None. None. That's it. And, and it's been years. Uh, it's going on. Uh, we're up to nine years. That is a lot of hours of no sleep, man. Uh, well, and mm-hmm. again, speaking medicine, and drugs, you know, what are some solutions that people, because you've seen experts about how to fix this, right? Right. BIAC told me that I should see, because I didn't even know this profession profession existed, uh, a sleep specialist. Um, I've met with uh, somebody that, and they said, we could give you a drug to make you sleep, but he was apprehensive about it. He's like, because you'd be on it for the rest of your life. So it's something that he said, it won't reverse anything. It would just be something you'd have to take every time you want to sleep. So pretty much a drug to, to knock you out. Yeah. And then I've had other, other people say, um, you know, just like, don't lay down until you feel tired. And it's like, okay. So then, you know, so I was like, okay, I'm not supposed to lay down until I'm, if I'm tired. So I was standing all weekend. <laughs> just something doesn't feel tired ever. Nope. I've done done my own research on it and stuff like that. And some of it does kind of make sense about some of the things that I found. And of course, it's 
the truth and stuff. So that's, that's what I come up with and stuff. So have you found any leads or any stuff that you feel is really promising to help you find, you know, sleep again? There is one promising thing that I, that I have found it's with, uh, and would also come into play with the whole brain injury thing is, um, um, and something that we can also talk about is, uh, with the type of brain injury that I, that I had, um, that, um, I found another group that is, uh, um, that could, that specializes in this type of brain injury. And they said, we can do, there's, I have talked to them and they said, we don't want to give you false hope about, uh, coming here for it, but, uh, you know, that we can do something with it. And, um, and so I have found some leads. What's that group? Yeah. What's that group? That that group is, uh, called the concussion legacy foundation. Okay. And they're out in uh, Boston. Based in Boston. Okay. I know you were saying one of the other things that's kind of crazy about them is that they've got some ties to, uh, who is it? Smashing pumpkins front man. Right. Yep. Yep. Billy Corgan. <laughs> yeah. Billy Corgan. Yeah. He, because uh, Billy Corgan is actually, um, he's kind of one of the lead lead guys with, um, there's a whole minor league version of wrestling. And mm-hmm. so he deals with, uh, deals with that. So he's kind of set up with uh, um, doing that. And of course, in wrestling, you've all, all heard of a wrestling helmet and stuff like that. And so that's how he got, tied into that is since he's promoting wrestling he's so he's kind of felt if you want to say it kind of felt guilty and um and so he got ties with the whole this whole organization and he's like okay if i'm gonna be promoting wrestling i need to also support you know help help for them help yeah. for wrestlers suffer from that cool and, uh, and, and, and i had to just look it up it's the national wrestling association or, or national sorry national wrestling alliance is what it is yeah. national wrestling alliance this is another thing that we kind of bonded over was music you've got a deep seriously deep music collection yeah you could say it's uh it's pretty big so i mean <laughs> how many just how many discs are we talking? It's all, it's all, it's all, yeah, it's all CDs. So it's, uh, it's not, uh, not the new thing and stuff where it's all, you know, um, all digital, you know, since it's gone digital and stuff like that. But before that is CDs. So mm-hmm. the CD collection that I have is, uh, 1500 CDs. That's huge. Yeah. Because you know, like these days you get on Spotify and they're like, Oh, we got a million zillion billion songs. And you're like, cool. But actually having the real disc meant that you went out and you found that thing and you sought it out. It's like being a record collector, but like for your era, you know, you were a nineties kid. And so, yeah. Right. Instead of collecting vinyl, that's collected CDs. And that's actually the the guy who actually got me into that. He was also into collecting CDs. And what he got me into about it is like, you've got the music. So the artist is putting out music, but a CD, that fictional physical thing, the artist has the book work, the artistry and stuff like that. Just the, the artwork, the artwork and of, well, not only the artwork, but just the sound sound that the band put out. So, so I have some rare ones. Well, I'll tell one one of them that I have. When 
I found it for sale. I pretty much crapped my pants. I couldn't believe that I actually had it in my hand. And I was like, yeah, I'm getting this. I'm getting this. And it's one CD that I've looked up and it is extremely rare. It's one of the rarest out of my collection. It's probably the rarest CD that I have. So Jeremy hit me up not too long after we recorded this interview to let me know that, hey man, name of that album was Church of Realities by Head P.E. They're a California fusion band. Um, Honestly, I've never heard of them, but uh, it sounds right up Jeremy's alley. A mix of rock, punk, and a little bit of rap on the side. Check it out. Church of Realities by Head, H-E-D-P-E. And so... So that one, just because of its rarity and how I was able to find it, yeah, that would be my favorite one. But then there's other ones where Tool, 10,000 Days, that would probably be one that I, that I like, how it sounds, you know, when I put it in and all the songs, I'm just like, yeah, I like this. I like this music and stuff like that. How often do you sit down and put it in? Like, how often do you give that 10,000 Days a listen? recently not so much because i really don't have a a decent stereo to listen to them on Mm, that makes that makes a big difference and stuff and that could also get into another another thing with the whole um you know the other side of me and stuff is being an audiophile and stuff like that well, t- t- well, tell me real quick then, audiophile, I know that when you were a kid, well, maybe not a kid, teenager, your cars had some serious sound systems. Like you had, you yeah, had the car that's, everybody that's wanted. That's what I missed, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Tell, tell, I, I had, okay, that, that car that I had was, it was actually when, um, when I was going into, into college and stuff like that. I was driving, driving distances from, from college and then back home because, you know, I was just going to college and stuff like that. And um, then uh, I was just like, you know, for the gas, gas prices, it was, a um, my first car was a V8. So I was driving a V8 car, you know, two to three hours one way and stuff. And so I needed to get something that was more fuel efficient. So I got uh, one that was, a little uh, um, better on gas and stuff like that. And I got that. And then um, somebody at one of the jobs that I had one time I was going to, you know, finishing up the general courses in, uh, in college and stuff like that. So I was taking my generals and, um, and I was going to um, college and stuff like that. And somebody made a U-turn in front of me and I mean, literally right in front of me, and I pretty much, you know, had to, you know, I got s- smashed into a, um, um, in onto the curb and stuff like that, and and so I had to find another another car because it was, it was fairly fairly toasted. I mean, I was when I was I had my foot on the brake and stuff like that, and the clutch. I was pushing on there. And then when I hit the curb, I hit the curb so hard, I could actually feel the floor move. Wait, wait. So you had, uh, was that your first car accident then? And your only other car accident? Or have you had other car accidents until, you know, your major one? That was, uh, that was just, yeah, that was the only car accident. That that was was it. And that was probably in, um, 
um, I would say 96. And that had nothing to do with crashing the car. That was somebody else crashing into you. Yeah, that was somebody else crashing into me and stuff. And so I had, so yeah. And so pretty much a, a small little compact four-cylinder car versus a full-size LTD, you know who won. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. So yeah, they they just they just drove off and stuff like that, and I and and so they. Do you ever do you, do you ever think about that that you got, you know you, that you were able to walk away from that one? I'm sure, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was no. I was I was pissed. I was pissed that uh, that that happened. But when that happened, that that car since it was total, you know, totals and stuff, I needed to find another one. I found better car than that one that was the same style it was still a a two-door two-door neon and it had a better motor in it and a um a better geared um transmission in it and stuff like that and so so that one i was pretty you know once i got that car then i was like okay yeah this is this is pretty cool and so so that's my second second car of that of those neons and stuff like that that's where i that's the one that's the car that i i i made i kind of what you could say i it's you pimp it out just a, <laughs> yeah yeah uh, i i could you know polish the turd but it really wasn't a turd to begin with um, but yeah i uh, yeah that one i um that's the one I, I pretty much put a lot of stuff into, you know, to make it really cool and stuff like that. And that's the one that I had the good sound system in it and stuff like that. And you've always told me that, you know, that is um, one of your biggest passions in life is that your dad was a gearhead and you love cars, everything that has to do with cars. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Yep. That. And, you know, once I moved to Colorado and stuff like that, I, um, one of the one of my coworkers at the time, coworkers good friend owned a tattoo shop, uh-huh. and so I was just like, you know, I'm a, I could get a tattoo and stuff like that. And I had, you know, I kind of had an idea of what tattoo I wanted, and I had books about certain, you know, certain engines. Early Hemi's is actually the one, and I showed him this as like I'd want a tattoo of an early Hemi and stuff like that. And this this guy he that that owned the shop and stuff. He actually uh, was kind of a gearhead too, and stuff. Sweet. And when I fi- when I finally went to uh, um, get the you know the time slot for to get the tattoo, he's just like, "I've been excited to do your tattoo." He's like, "It's been so long that I've been excited to do a tattoo because it's typical, you know, tribal signs, you know, um, skull and crossbones, you know, just all these things." He's like but you hit right on one that I want that, that I like that I can go with the theme, you know, cause he was like the car thing and stuff. Yeah. And so, yeah, I've got tattoo of a, of an engine with some um, pinstriping around it. And then sitting in the chair and stuff, he was just like, have you ever, have you ever seen the, um, the flying eyeball? you know, because it's a car thing and stuff. And I was like, yeah, I've known it. He's like, but have you ever seen a, a pinstripe version of the flying eyeball? It's like, no. So he quick uh, grabbed a, 
grabbed his uh, his uh, uh, just a pen and paper and stuff like that, and he drew it out. And he's like, "What if, you know, for all this uh, pinstriping that you're putting around this, what do you think about a pinstripe version of the flying eyeball?" It's like, "That's actually kind of cool and stuff." Yeah, we'll do that. <laughs> so, so sitting in the chair getting a tattoo, I agreed to get more done. <laughs> so, so I have, so I have that. Everybody's a salesman, man. Even the tattoo artist halfway through the tattoos, like, you know what you could use? You could use this. And you were stoked on it too. Where is it? Where's the tattoo at? It's on my shoulder. Yep. All right. Yeah, man. I love it. I am so stoked that we were able to get on here for the very first podcast that we're doing for BIAC. This is a brand new experiment, brand new thing that I hope we will continue for a while. And I hope some other people will be like you and be stoked to get on it and talk about their life, their passions, the things that uh, they're doing right now. And then also their injury, you know, why it is they're involved with BIAC because there are a lot of us across the state. And I would say that this is one great way for us to meet more people that are involved with the group, especially folks like you and me that we're kind of in far flung corners of the state. You know, you've met some, some, you've met some folks that have had brain injuries right there in Craig, but none of them are actually involved in BIAC. They're just, you know, people that you happen to run into. Right. Yeah. It's people that I've run into and stuff. And yeah. And there's, and then that's the one thing, you know, that BIAC is just a link to some of the resources and then talking to other survivors and stuff like that. That's when you find out how much more help is out there. Like, you know, this, this thing is just, just a piece and stuff. And I've mentioned just some of the links of stuff that I have found, you know, just because of the, of the whole thing and stuff. And then that's, you know, the whole surviving of um, when it comes to the nuts and bolts of a brain injury, you know, how much we've heard, you know, um, because when it comes down to it, brain injury and head injury are really similar words. They can be used interchanged. And the difference is, is um, in the whole um, consciousness and how that's and how that's rated and stuff. And that's where the whole Gasco-Coma scale comes into play, like you've done some research on and stuff, mm. you know. So that's where some of these and some of the one of the guys that I've met with here and stuff, uh, we've talked about and we, you know, he's got the whole um, a similar type of brain injury, but the biggest thing about brain injuries is uh, the trauma that also incurred. So like we mentioned about my whole spine, mm-hmm. spine issues and stuff like that, that was just one piece of the trauma that I dealt with. But my brain injury was a completely different thing. And that's the whole head injury and stuff. And that's where that's where BIAC comes into play and stuff and talking to other people and the whole mentorship uh, program and stuff, you know, that, that I've been a part of with BIAC. And then also this other, other place that I've come in contact with that, you know, connected me up with somebody else that also has one and they're They're also kind of really intrigued to hear about how am I, how am I supposed to recover? How do I recover? What is my disability? And that's where the fuzzy line comes into play and stuff is where is your disability when, you, when you've when you had a brain injury? That's where the gray line is. The invisible injury. 
the invisible disability. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And stuff. So then, so then asking, you know, some people will just like, um, will just automatically put you into um, a bubble, but it's an invisible bubble that they create the bubble. But as survivors, there's no bubble. I'm just, I'm just here. I just survived. Now what? True. And I think now what, Jeremy, you even answered that yourself, reaching out, doing some research, finding other people, talking and learning and listening to these stories. And then hopefully, you know, finding that that person that you can connect to that, well, might help you break through and, uh, well, pop the bubble, <laughs> pop the bubble that the other people have put around you, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's as surviving and stuff like that, that's where some of this whole anxiety, you know, cause I've talked with mental health people and stuff like that. That's where some of my mental health comes from um, or lack of is being put in a bubble. It's like, no, I want to pop this bubble. Okay. That uh, comes, comes into play of where, what is trauma? You know, when I was talking to that, okay, my trauma, my physical trauma is over. I've, I've recovered. We talked about the whole, whole uh, spinal issues that I had. Well, I've recovered from them. I've recovered from all of it. Okay, now it's down to the mental health. Okay, so what's what's next? What's what is the next thing to do? And now it's the marathon. We, the, not just the marathon, the ultra marathon, the hundred miler. Yeah. 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 If there's anybody that I know can make it to the end of that ultra marathon, it's you. I mean, you, you, you got a good hero in Scott Jurek. If you have a story of survival or know someone who does, share it with us. We'd love to talk with you. Reach out to your BAC counselor and they will put you in touch with me. Again, Phil Lindemann, your host here on TBI Talking Brain Injury with Brain Injury Alliance Colorado. <laughs>